Are you curious about real estate investing? Today, we're going to hear from two people who have made that leap and started building up their income streams through real estate. Welcome to Simplify and Enjoy, the podcast and community focused on helping families have less stress and more options through minimalism and financial independence. I'm your host, El Martinez. This podcast is sponsored by Coastal Credit Union. Coastal's mission is to help you live a better life by offering you a better way to bank. Find out how at bankbetter.org. Investing in real estate can be profitable and exciting, but it can also seem daunting, especially if you haven't got started yet. One of the favorite things I like to do here on the podcast is to share stories from people in real life. What was it like to achieve their financial goals? Real estate investing is no different. I've had some interviews through the years, and even this year, I've shared stories from Alan, Crystal, and Rachel about their own financial journeys into real estate, and they each had different avenues that they took that were successful for them. Today, I want to add two more stories to that list. Tony from Debt Free Divas and Aja from Principles of Increase are going to be discussing each of their journeys into real estate. In this episode, we're going to get into how they acquired their first properties, the mistakes they made with real estate investing, and the wins that they've had with their properties, and their advice they would give now for those looking to jump into it. We have a lot to cover, so let's get started. We have a lot in our community where they've hit their financial milestones, getting rid of the high interest debts. They've put some money aside for savings. They're investing for retirement. And now that they've had certain options open up, they're thinking, should I get invest, you know, started with real estate investing? Sometimes it seems intimidating. It seems complicated. I think everybody knows HGTV isn't real with everything <laughs> Lipped and done in, in half an hour. You guys are really busy in the field, and I want to get real people's experiences, the ups and downs and the realities of that. I think the first question is, why get started with real estate investing? Where were you in your financial journey when that was maybe something interesting to you? And then when did you actually jump in? Yeah, I'll start. It was more like financial investor. Mm-hmm. I used to listen to people's stories who would be like, oh, if you invest, don't do real estate. The hassle, you'll be answering clogged toilet calls at midnight. And so I had this preconceived notion that it would be too much of a hassle. But, you know, for those of you who may or may not have followed the story, I actually inherited property in the inner city of Chicago with holes in it. Nobody wanted it. And so I was married at the time. And my husband and I at the time were like, so the, the greatest opportunity ever. No, actually, we were like, this is dumb. No, thanks. <laughs> but then we thought about it. And we were like, we actually don't have enough money to get a mortgage. We kind of want income. It just made financial sense for us. So we moved into the property. We fixed it up. We cleaned it out. And throughout maybe like eight or nine years, like fixed, you know, like just did little improvements to it. And eventually we figured out that the house was just really big for us. And so we started renting out rooms. From there, we eventually rented out the house room by our room. And it gave us enough income to get another piece of property that we had a total gut rehab on. 
eventually I sold the first property and got another one in Puerto Rico. So it just kind of snowballed from there. So just a little break in the story. I actually had a divorce a couple of years ago. I ended up just leaving real estate and the short-term rentals and stuff behind. But even now, you know, a couple of years out of the divorce, I am pretty owner of two properties, one in Puerto Rico, one here in, in Florida, which is a very resident. I'm actually actively looking for a third property. So almost I'll be three properties in three years. And I never have worked like a consistent W-2. I've had intermittent income. As I was just sharing before we hit record, my goal is to let people know, like, you don't have to be in this perfect position. There's some kind of way that you can become a property owner. The reason why you want to do that is because rent and property values tend to appreciate faster against the dollar. So if you're just depending on your salary income, it's going to be hard. Like days ahead are going to be difficult. So I'm a huge advocate. So it's Tony, big advocate of getting into real estate because it's just a way, a great way to hedge against inflation and preserve your wealth. So that was a mouthful. That was really good. And I appreciate it. And there's so many points. I'm going to put a pin on that because I, I want to kind of dig into those in a bit. But Tony, how about you? When you got into real estate, what was going on? What were some of your goals? So I would say we probably have always, my husband and I have been married for 20 years, girls. Oh, wow. Congrats. (laughs) Yeah, we hit 20 years last year. So I would say at the very beginning of our relationship, honestly, we were looking to be property owners, but it didn't happen. We were looking for multi-unit. Because our initial goal was like to live in one and rent the others out. And, and I think about this so much because I was actually in communication with the with a potential with the seller and he had a contract, but I was trying to get in there and it just it didn't work out and I was so bummed. And I thought this would be it was an old building, it needed a lot of work, but it was just like it was gonna be so great. And my fiance at the time, my husband now, was looking at me like, What? I don't see what you see. I really don't. I don't <laughs> I, this it's, it's 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 falling apart. It's the, you know, but I was like, it's by the lake. You know, it was over in South Shore actually. It's by the lake. It's fucking you know. So mm-hmm. it's uh you know back before South Shore was was scary. <laughs> but property values stay steady. They yeah, creep there. So and I just I think about like if we had bought that building twenty years ago. Ooh. But anyway, so 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 but the you know I, I am also a believer that I'm a, I'm a believer and I and I and. I am learning that opportunities come or don't come and things happen, you know, things happen and you kind of have to, I guess, take advantage of the opportunities when you can and then let those things that don't happen go. That's the one thing this last journey through real estate, I have definitely learned that everything won't happen the way you want it to happen, but that doesn't mean that there aren't other opportunities around the corner. So we ended up purchasing a condo downtown. And we lived in that condo for like 10 years. And after 10 years, when the children started coming and we could no longer, because we bought a really small, this is what we could afford at the time, bought a, like a, almost like a one room condo, but it was in a great location. And after we had too many people for the condo association rules living in that, in the condo, because we had two children by then, we ended up having moved. What we did was we rented that condo out. We still have that condo. That condo will be paid off in at most four years now. We've had renters in that condo the entire time that we've been gone. That's one of the things that you can think about, too, is maybe you don't have the money to plop down on something new, but there may be something that you can do within in terms of like moving 
And it's that's one of the things that we've done is the slow house hacking, if you will, where where we move into something, live there for a while, acquire the property using a using a owner occupancy mortgage type where you have less to put down. You don't have to come up with as much money. It's your primary residency as you do if something is a commercial property, right? Or a second home. While we were downtown in the South Loop, we ended up, we've done some things that I'm thinking about it. I probably wouldn't do again, but we, again, we've taken some risks. Some things have worked out. We purchased another condo using a home equity line of credit. We purchased another property right across the street and we did that pre-construction. So we were able to get a really good deal on that, rent that for a couple of years. And then the developer of the building bought it back from us for a So again, would I do that again? I don't know if I would say I would do it again, but again, you take advantage of opportunities as they come. We've bought properties on from auction sites, Mm -hmm. done that three times. (laughs) So I bought a a property on a credit card. This was before I started my journey out of $100,000 in debt, but now you see why I had $100,000 in debt, but we a condo, one-room condo in in South Shore again for seventeen. What's the bill? I'm, I'm seventeen thousand. Seventeen thousand. So I bought a whole, wow. a whole condo for seventeen thousand, and then renovated it for about six thousand because that's about how much you know new carpet, some things here or there. It was in a little disrepair, but so I paid about six thousand. All of that was on a credit card, and I rented it for two years, and I made about five hundred a month in profits from that little one bedroom condo. We ended up selling that two years later for not a great sum, but a little tidy sum. The thing is you take those steps, you take those steps and then you like put that into something else. And so we also bought a a full house through an auction site. And that was my very first gut rehab. I shouldn't say gut rehab, but it was my very first fix and flip. Wasn't a gut rehab, but it needed about, I think we put about 45,000 into that Mm -hmm. one. That house, we actually lost money. So we lost 5000 on that one when we sold that. But it's interesting. So it, it taught me a couple of things. It taught me, number one, I don't do fix and flips. That is not my, <laughs> that is not my lane, which is okay. It's not my lane. Two, it introduced me to a couple of contractors that I still use today. One of them being Christian. He did some work with me on that one. You start to learn different people and I'm not swinging hammers. So, so you need to be able to rely on competent trades people. I did kind of develop a nice set of people that I can contact for different jobs. And then the other thing that it did was another investment property. That we bought another property from one of the guys that was doing some work on our house. We ended up buying his house from him and rented it back to him for two years. And unfortunately, in COVID, during the pandemic, he did contract the virus and passed away. So he passed away. So that, you know, that was not expected. We were expecting to sell the house back to him for, I think, 20,000 is the deal that we had had. He's about to lose his houses for taxes. So we bought the taxes and then then he was going to buy the house back from us. But unfortunately, he passed away before he was able to do that. So we actually sold that house and we sold the house. Let me get the numbers right. I want to say we pocketed like 45,000 from that house and we sold it in probably under three months, just listed it as is. Then we've taken that money and now we are in a whole new state. So we ended up taking that money and putting it into a property in a vacation town, which is about 80 miles north of Chicago. And this property, we're currently staying in it. 
we're living in it now. Again, you did that to get the owner occupancy rate. So we moved, plus we were looking for a little more space from Chicago. So we moved up here, supposed to be for a year. We're now moving on. We're working on two years now. <laughs> but like I said, we're kind of, we're slow house hackers. Our plan is to renovate the first floor of this place that we're in and use that as a vacation rental income. Right now, we're currently also looking for multi-unit space back in Chicago now. We're planning to move back. What I want to do for maybe the next one or two properties is I want to move into multi-units that pay for themselves and then use that money before we get something for ourselves. Because what I'm looking at now is, number one, what can what's paid off? What can cash flow? What can pay for itself? That's my thought now when I look at properties, like how can I get somebody to help me pay for this? (laughs) So whether it's a a long-term rental uh, mm-hmm. tenants because right now we have two properties back in Chicago that we have long-term rental tenants in and while we may not make a lot of cash flow or even one of them may even I think we might be under a little bit but those mortgages I have somebody in those houses helping me pay those mortgages off when those mortgages are paid off like I said one is in four years that one will cash flow about, should cash flow about $1,000 a month. We're looking at these properties, like as I go forward, we're looking at these like, okay, I've got kids that are going to college in about 10 years. I want these properties to help me pay for things like that, just in case they don't, you know, get scholarships or what we're saving doesn't, doesn't cover. That's why this is what I'm looking for to, number one, to fund my lifestyle, because I am like you all, I don't like to have a consistent W-2 job. I appreciate my time. And that's something that I can't get back. And so at this point in my life, I'm looking at, okay, we have maybe 15, 20 more years of typical work until we reach retirement. I want to be able to have something that cash flows to fund those types of things. That's what we're looking at. So then finally, it's long, I know it's giving you my whole history, but the next thing is actually in a couple of weeks, we're going to Dallas because I'm looking at Dallas as my next like vacation oh, rental rental okay. spot. So we're going to be down there this in a couple of weeks. We're going to look at a potential properties in the area because I live in Chicago and I don't like winters. <laughs> That's Hello? like the complete opposite. <laughs> you going from cold winters. That is right. Right. But so I, I get it. I get yeah. it. So we're again looking, looking at a way for somebody else or other people to help us pay these mortgages. Got it. So well, that's the goal. I appreciate, first of all, you ladies kind of laying that out because I think a lot of people have this expectation or even the myth that one, you have to be, when I say big time, like buying multi-units all the time to Mm -hmm. be profitable, but you don't have to. You can start where you are and you can be successful with that. And I love that. And thank you for sharing with the numbers. I think that gives people a good idea. And yeah, that's a range, 17,000. Now, I would not. Anyone listening suggest putting that on the credit? No, I would definitely not. Again, this was before yeah. I started to understand the power of, and just again, you live and you learn that the power of being debt-free. And a lot of the things that we can do now is because we don't finance cars. You know, we don't finance vacations and carry huge credit card bills and things like yes. that. And so it took a it took a while. And I talk about all of this in a book that I wrote called The Great Debt Dump. So I talk about this process of, journeying out of over $100,000 in consumer debt. So it's not something I would do again, but I'm just letting you all know that you can recover from 
you can even you can even prosper, I think, from less than wise decisions. I think the thing that I've learned is, yeah, would do things differently because that was a lot of stress. So I, even though I kind of gl- glossed over that, there's a lot of stress in trying to figure, make sure we're going to get the right people that are going to pay their rent on time and, and it wasn't in the best neighborhood. There's a lot of things that go along with that. So I think having a credit card bill to, to pay on top of that was definitely added more stress than needed to be. Most definitely. <laughs> and don't worry, I'm going to leak in the show notes because I've chatted with both of you ladies and we've talked a lot about family and finances in different situations. That way, if they want to get more information and hear the story, they can listen to that. But I do also want to talk because both of you ladies brought up some good points, which is also in real estate, there are so many different opportunities. It's not mm-hmm. just buying and flipping. It's not just renting out single family homes, which I mean, you can do that. I recently had a woman on that did very well, Rachel Hernandez with mobile home investing, how she got into that. I've talked to others who did, Crystal was doing the condo as well, Hammond. I love that you guys kind of mentioned like there's different avenues. It doesn't have to be a multi-unit. Start with where you are. For you guys, I think the big question a lot of people have is with your experience, how passive would you say real estate investing is? Because I think Aja mentioned that there's a fear like, okay, is this going to be a second job? And if so, is there a way to minimize that while still maintaining a reasonable cash flow? I think with everything, there's balance. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you have to think about this. Okay. And I've had real estate across the spectrum in terms of location. So I realized for me, my life, I prefer peace and calm. I don't want, I don't want, and it's not necessarily people calling about things going wrong with the unit, but it's also like problem friends of the tenants and other, other just self-inflicted wounds that happen, right? I'll give you an example, story time, quick story time. So one of my tenants, one of my tenants was a young guy and I didn't really bet. Um, I just, I met him and he, he, the landlord said, oh yeah, he's great. And it didn't dawn on me that, yeah, your landlord's saying you're great and you need to like leave in two days, right? So again, lessons learned, right? Oh yeah, they always ask the last two. That's the two, exactly. That's the last two, exactly. So the, yeah, he's great. Blah, 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 blah. So moved in He and he did pay his rent on time. How some ever, there was a couple of things. Number one, he had some friends that were, or at least he claimed they were friends that were a little rowdy and like at two o'clock in the morning got into a fight and they broke the glass glass in the vestibule. So they got into a fight at 2 a.m. and broke the glass window pane, basically. Those are the kinds of things where you have to decide like, am I okay with dealing with stuff like this? And not that it happens all the time, but it's just when it happens, it's a problem. And of course you have the board calling us. We had to make sure they got it paid for We got to pay for it, you know, and they replaced it, et cetera. But those are the types of problems that I was having with this particular property that was cash flowing the most. Okay. So that I was Mm -hmm. making the most that I've made on any property. But that's just one example. There were things like that that would happen at this particular property. My properties downtown, I don't ever hear from them. I never hear from them. We're probably just breaking even on those, right? So that's the question you have to kind of ask yourself where you may make more money on a place where, in a place where maybe the properties aren't less expensive. So you can charge more on the rent. You can clear more on the rent and you can probably mm-hmm. get properties with, you, if you want to put a little elbow grease into it, you might be able to get properties a little cheaper, but then you also have to think about the type of people that want to live in those areas. 
while we don't have, in the past anyway, we haven't had as much cash flow, we've had appreciation, we've had peace. <laughs> like, I love it when I hear from my tenants is the question I hear from them is, can I renew my lease? That's about the most in- interaction I get with my tenants, unless there's some kind of like system malfunction that 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 happens. But I think for you, you have to figure out, and that has come through trial and error. You have to figure out what you're comfortable with, what you can deal with, and what you can stand. And again, when I realized, oh, this property is bringing bringing chaos into my life, I sold it. You know, (laughs) I sold it and I moved on. And when when I realized I don't like fix and flip, it's too stressful. You know, there's too much that can go wrong, and I don't know enough about this. Is not my area of expertise. I love renovating stuff, but I renovate to rent. I don't like to do the fix and flip to sell. That's kind of the the area that I have learned that I can deal with and that I have a comfort level with and it doesn't, you know, disrupt the rest of my life. My thing is, I don't like, I don't even, which is crazy because I bought this property in Wisconsin, but in past, I would like easily look within 15 minutes to drive from my location in terms of looking for property. So that's one of the things. If something is further than about 15 minutes or if I have to get on the expressway, if I have to get on the expressway to get there, I usually don't want to do it. Again, I've learned those things. I don't like driving in traffic. I don't like driving in rush hour. So when I had to drive during my fix and flip, I used to have to be on the expressway all the time and then rush hour. And I was like, I'm not a happy camper. Again, those are small little things that you have to just think about. And some of it is you won't know until you try it. So you try little things and you figure out, I like this, I can do this, or I don't like this, and you pivot. That's the thing I do like about real estate is that Mm -hmm. there's usually somebody that, usually, not always, but usually somebody that wants, that will, take that property off of your hands. May not be for the biggest profit, but sometimes, again, for me, I've learned my peace is more important than any amount of money. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for being transparent about the good, the bad, and the real with owning and managing properties because we all hope to get a home run with whatever investment we make, but there's always some kind of cost. And I do appreciate that you mentioned, what do I prioritize? Do I want to maximize cash flow? Or am I willing to give some of that up? Like you mentioned, for less stress to have it be more passive. So I do appreciate that. And Aja, for you, you're kind of like hands-on because I know in Puerto Rico, you have with the renovation and you got your girls involved teaching them skills and everything. How was that experience? For those who are listening and like, you know what? I'm more of a hands-on person. Yeah, so I'm actually... I think I am hands-on, but I'm looking more to like systematize and maybe mm-hmm. say more of a business. So that's why I actually did get a property in Puerto Rico. So it was very active in the setup, but at this moment, it's pretty passive because it's so far away, right? Yeah. I rely on like the house manager, the cleaner, and I have my kids actually help me do remote management. And so I really, this was really an experiment for me because ultimate goal is to invest in real estate remotely because I've actually purchased a couple of properties sight unseen, one in Florida, the one in Chicago. I had seen it, but I didn't remember I saw it. So it was kind of like sight unseen. <laughs> so what I got and I was like, this is a multi, but it's anyway. So <laughs> I don't know, for some reason, that's like a thrill for me. Very dangerous guys. Don't, it, but it's always worked out. I mean, I don't know why I have this like thrill seeking thing in me where I'm like, to get this place sight unseen just because I like the challenge and to see the way that it's going to work out. So I did that with Puerto Rico. Setting it up was very active. So we went there. I took a few trips. We spent like six weeks there. We showed up with some air mattresses, me, my kids, my mom. 
And there was nothing. I was like, this is not a great idea. There was no AC. I didn't think about that. No refrigerator. I was like, this is, this is really bad. And then I get to the island and they're like, oh, you just think things are stored on the island? Things <laughs> <laughs> for weeks and weeks and weeks. And I'm like, oh my goodness. But it ended up working out. So we did an okay job of furnishing it and getting it ready. But now I would say I have very little involvement because I had cleaners and the house managers i have some contractors if something breaks everything is really done remote mm-hmm. in my the customer service management with the airbnb with clients and changing the lock code when we get new people to leaving reviews so they do that virtual management for me so i'm liking the way that it's turning out and giving me a little bit more i guess confidence to know that i can go into these flyover markets and never see a property, buy it, rehab it, rent it out. I know this is a thing. I just feel like that's so appealing to me because I want to get away from being so hands-on and being more active. Now, when you make the transition into passive, you are probably a property manager. You cut into your cash flow, but the return is you open some of your time, which is why we invest in real estate anyway. The thing that I've noticed with real estate is Maybe your first deal will be a horrible deal. Like it maybe won't cash flow, maybe won't appreciate. But I think it's always a good idea to just start. Because time, it's like investing, right? Time, when the clock is ticking, where the value and the money is being made. So I'm a big fan of just doing something. Obviously, don't jump purposely into a bad deal, but do something. And then as you do more and practice more, you'll be a more sophisticated reflection investor and so that's how i feel where i am and as a person of faith i will tell you that every property i've ever bought i thought that was a horrible idea i was like this is so stupid oh this is bad deal this is stupid was i thinking but it always works so i don't know i mean maybe all real estate is not like this i've been very fortunate i think my faith plays a role i get to make a mistake and i'm like oh this is stupid and the lord is like let me help you out and it has just panned like that for me. But I think the key is people sit around, they gather information, analysis paralysis, you want the perfect deal. Yeah. You want it to be $2, mm-hmm. cash flow, $700 a month, appreciate, you know, double digits every year. That would be nice. And those deals can come across desk, but it's not the norm. And so I'm just mm-hmm. a big fan of starting something even my daughter she's about to turn 18 and we're trying to find her a single family home where she can rent rooms and live in a mortgage free she has money for a down payment we're just trying to figure out the details but i'm just like let's just get you into something you know could you imagine being for the owner at 18 years old nice i hope it works out and i'm excited that time in the game it's crucial absolutely and i've talked to other people who are real estate investors and that seems to be a reoccurring piece of advice which is just get started. No one's saying don't do your homework, but a lot of lessons learned, and you guys mentioned that too, is going through the process, finding out, don't know until you try it, whether it's right for you. Like you might say, I'd like real estate investing, but maybe I don't want to do a multi-unit place, or maybe I want something smaller. You won't know until you go through that experience. So I think that's great. And then second, uh, for those that this is the first time you've heard Aja, she is also a personal finance author and she has a fantastic book. Since you mentioned teaching your daughter's finances, I think we should mention that you have How a Mother Should Talk About Money with Her Daughter, 
And that covers a lot of things. It talks about budgeting, saving, investing, and other important lessons. What a great lesson for your kids to pass on. In the personal finance space, I get it. We get the generational wealth conversation, but it's not just about leaving maybe an asset, but it's also leaving lessons to not just be, you know, financially smart, but actually wise and have a positive impact on your kids and hopefully your community with that. This segment is brought to you by Travel Freely. I know we have some travel hacking families in our community who love using the rewards for family vacations. And there are many who want to join them. However, it can be tough to sort through all the offers. This is where Travel Freely can help. It simplifies your search and makes it easy to find the best offers and deals that fit your family and how they spend. So you are maximizing your rewards. If you want to learn more on how to travel hack your next epic family trip, please go to simplifyandenjoy.com slash travel freely. Before we wrap up, I want to focus on a few key takeaways I picked up from speaking with Tony and Aja and preparing this episode. The first one is there's no absolutely perfect time to jump in when it comes to real estate investing. Actually, this advice applies to any major financial goal you're pursuing. If you are waiting for the absolute perfect opportunity, you're going to keep waiting. Instead, start with where you are now. You can iterate and make adjustments as you go along. Now, that does not mean you don't do your prep work, but there is that real hurdle of analysis paralysis where you are trying to absolutely optimize everything and then you never really get started. Instead, this leads to the second takeaway. Do your research, do your prep work. Become an expert of the area you're thinking of investing in. Ask questions within the community to see what different lanes or avenues of real estate investing appeal to you and makes the most sense with your skill set, your budget, and your time. The last takeaway is it's always great to invest in building your network, whether that is for real estate investing, in the case with Tony, making sure that she has a group of trusted contractors she can work with, but also this can apply to getting started yourself getting those mentors in place, asking them the questions so that you feel comfortable getting started with real estate investing. Of course, before you get started with real estate investing, you got to get the foundation started, which means making sure that your finances are in a great spot. So if you want to get started on optimizing and creating a budget that you love, make sure you're a part of our community Besides sharing resources for each episode of the podcast, I also enjoy sharing extra tips and tools to make simplifying your money, home, and life much easier. You can sign up for free at simplifyandenjoy.com slash join. Special thanks to Tony and Aja for coming on the show and sharing their stories. If you want to learn more about their financial journeys and what they're up to, please visit their site. Tony hosts Debt-Free Divas, and Aja is in charge of Principles of Increase. I'll include links to their sites as well as other resources that we mentioned today in the show notes at simplifyandenjoy.com. Next week on the podcast, we're going to switch gears a bit, and we're going to be talking about debt. Specifically, is there such a thing as good debt versus bad debt? And if you're ready to knock out the debt that you do have in your life, how can you create a plan 
that helps you reach your goal while still maintaining balance in your life. We'll discuss that all next week. So if you don't want to miss out on that episode, make sure you're subscribed. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Audible, and more. Our theme song was by Staircases with additional music from various artists over at Audio. Finally, and most importantly, thank you so much for your support. I appreciate you not only listening, but sending in your ideas for the podcast. And we are coming up very soon, that time in the year where we do another listener mailbag. So if you have a specific money question you want me to dig into and answer, please send that in. I'd love to help you out. I hope you have a wonderful week. Take care.